Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm joined as ever by Jonathan Fadugbo. And uh, well, welcome to the show, my friend. Um, things are getting very, very close um, in Sweden. Now, Svenskan at the top of the table and also at the bottom. Um, just one match left after this particular round. Uh, how are things going over there? Hi, Stephen. Hi, everybody. Yeah, things are going fine. Um, one game left to go now in Sweden. So, well, it's wrapping up. Uh, winter is coming and, and, and the end of the season is here. I can't believe it's it's gone so quickly, Steve, hasn't it? But um, sad for the season to be ending. But at the same time, we have a hell of a last round in store with uh, the championship, middle of the table and relegation all up for grabs at the moment. It's really quite an incredible end to the season, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty uh, remarkable, I must say. And uh, at the time of recording, we're actually, well, we're recording in the middle of the penultimate round. There's still three more matches to go on Monday uh, evening. Uh, your Garten against uh, Urubro, Elfsborg against uh, AFK Göteborg. That's a nothing match. And then the big one, Malmo against AIK. So at the time of recording, Hammerby are actually top of the table. They have delivered a 2-1 victory away at Ustersund on Sunday. They go back to the top of the table on goal difference. Um, but obviously, the fellow title challengers playing on Monday, John. So, I mean, they've got the win. It was, I think they were like one to three favourites, so it's no real surprise. But, you know, they've, they've still got to get the business done at this stage of the season. They've laid somewhat of a marker down uh, and it's up to the rest now, isn't, isn't it, to respond? They've laid a marker down. Yes, they have. And uh, it was a, a, a ground out 2-1 win at Ostersunds. Uh, the scorers were Djuridic and uh, Khalili, and it's a good win for Hammerby. You know, they were probably expected to to win that game. I think the fact that Ostersunds had pretty much secured their safety with a, with a win in their previous match um, before the Hammerby game, I think that gave them a little bit of leeway. Um, although they competed well, it wasn't as, you know, do or die as maybe it would have been. Uh, so they had a little bit of breathing room there. And... Yeah, I mean, it went really pretty much to form. Hammerby have been incredible this season. Uh, although they've lost five games, they've pretty much steamrolled several teams. Um, been very good, and they've won their last seven games on the trot in the league. And yeah, they got the win 2-1 away, uh, and they go top of the table. Yeah, I mean, in terms of goal difference, they um, they certainly got an edge on uh, Jorgarten in, in that department. Uh, Malmo would be much closer between the two. If Malmo win on Monday night, um, then we, we're literally looking not just at teams winning on the last day of the season, but by how many. Um, so it's it's going to be a pretty incredible finish. Uh, obviously, that's presuming uh, Jurgart and R2 slip up in any way. It's still very much in their hands. Um, but it is still very tight at the top. We've got Jurgart against Urubro. They, according to the bookies, are an absolute shoo-in for that game. I think they're they were short as uh, one to six in play, one to seven in places actually. Um, your Urubro have got nothing to play for. The middle of the table, you expecting pretty easy work for your garden, or is could there be uh, a slip up? Well, you would think that with um, the form your garden have shown, and of course they got there on Monday. They got a fantastic one 0 win against EFK uh, Yotaborg which was, although it was under underplayed, it was a vital win. You know, they had to see the job off there and they did so um, in, a, in a tough, uh, you know, away game. So, you know, that, that they've come through that and they've come through other challenges in the last, you know, three to four weeks. 
Um, the only game they slipped up in was really obviously losing at home to to Hammerby, their big rivals. So they've they've come through this well, you know, winning all those games. Uh, and like I say, the the Buyatori goal was what won it. Although there was a lot of debate, and I think if we were living in a VAR age, um, that goal may not have stood because there was a lot of contention about offsides um, for that winner. But um, yes, as we if you talk about Odebro, I think that's just one thing to point out there, Steve, that may concern or maybe is a point of note for people to think about. Uh, Odebro, although they haven't really done too much this season, they're in ninth. Uh, I thought they'd do a lot worse, by the way, in the preseason podcast. I, I predicted them to be quite near the bottom of the table um, or bottom three. So they've done a little bit better than I personally expected. But one thing to just note on Odebro, although, like I say, they haven't done too well lately and they lost 5-1 at Hammerby. Um, just a, you know, just about a month ago or so. One thing to note about them is that they've actually been quite good away from home. They've won away at Sirius. Uh, they won away at EF Koyotoburg. They won away at Ostersunds. They've won away at Gif, uh, Gifsundsvall. So, you know, a good percentage of Orebro's games this season have actually been away wins. They're, you know, the, the good percentage of their wins this season have been away from home. So I think 50% nearly of their games they've won away from home. So that just maybe a small cause for concern for Eurogarden fans but all in all you know with two games left of the season it's in Eurogarden's hands now they know if they win both their games they're pretty much guaranteed to be champions so you know you'd think at home game against Odebro they'd see it off but you never know do you Steve you just never know I mean their tough fixture looks to be on paper next week away at uh, Norshipping but um, I mean still technically they could get a draw against Odebro a draw and a win sees them to the title doesn't it um, but uh, I mean, the, the really big game, and um, we're not going to touch on it too much because, um, otherwise, I mean, it's on Monday night, so people listening later in the week aren't going to be as bothered. But, um, AIK against Malmo, uh, one of these big dogs is going to be eliminated from the title race, or maybe even both of them if it ends a draw. Um, huge, absolutely huge fixture. It's got to be one of them's surely going to win it you would think a draw does neither of them any good uh i mean it reeks to me of just one of these really tight matches knowing what these teams are like but i mean who do you give the edge to yeah as you've mentioned there correctly it looks like one of them is gonna slit the other's throat um or they you know they might might both uh might both cut each other's necks depends how it goes a draw does none, none of them any good and of course uh those might well it was pretty unforget it was pretty Forgettable game to be honest, but back in June they drew nil nil um, in Stockholm. Aok and uh, Malmo. Malmo obviously lost their last game at Hammerby, so you know they, you know there's a bit of a wobble, and they lost uh, as well to Eurogarden. Um, apart from that, they've won pretty much every game in their last sort of um, eight or nine. I would expect it to be a very t- tensely contested game. I think it'll be small margins. You'd think that Malmo might get the job done, given they're a home, you know, the home crowd. But you know, Eurogarden really showed the blueprint for how to play uh, Malmo away from home, um, with a really good defensive sort of counter-attacking display um, and a one-nil win, which from Briatore. And I think ARK will look for a similar kind of blueprint when they when they travel to Malmo, uh, when they travel south, they'll look to do the similar thing. I think um, they're in decent form in terms of results. Smashed Falkenberg five-one in their most recent game uh, and Henrik Goitem there was was on fire uh, with two goal uh, four goals sorry he scored which is incredible really um but yeah that's a poor falkenberg side you know this is going to be a much 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 bigger test uh, and i think they've got you know 
a fair chance, but it will, I think part of me, I kind of lean towards the, them both, as I say, cutting each other's throats in a, in a kind of like a one-all draw, if I was to, to be predicting it. But um, both teams know they have to win, really, to have any kind of chance of a title here. So that really lends itself to maybe a, an exciting game. Yeah, I'm just looking at the head-to-head -head statistics here, and it's Malmo who have the edge, really. IK have only won one of the last 13 meetings between the two sides. Um, the last four all ended draws, a couple of nil-nils and a couple of one-alls. And it, again, it just feels to me like if this was played sort of mid-season, it's the sort of game that always is going to end in a draw, uh, the way these two teams uh, face each other. So, I mean, at some point, which, which side for you has got that ability to sort of create a goal out of nothing if they need to. I know ARK are not renowned for their goal scoring, but do they have that bit of individual brilliance potentially to deliver them you know, at the end of the game if they need it? Well, it's funny that you should say that, Steve, because if you ask me which team has the ability to pull a goal out of nothing, I'd be tempted to say neither of them. Um, I think both of them are kind of more based around solidity and kind of um, solidness and maturity. Uh, than anything else. Um, really, you know, the top scorer for Malmö obviously is Marcus Rosenberg, who has 11. Uh, for AIK, it's Tarek El Yunusi, also with 11. They do have goal scorers in their team for both sides. Obviously, as I mentioned to you, Henrik Goitem, an experienced campaigner, four goals in his last game. Uh, Chinedu Obasi, obviously, the Nigerian, who's got a very good track record in all Svensk. And they have a lot of um, talent in their ranks up front, AIK, I think maybe slightly more than Malmö, but Malmo also have that nous and that, that know-how, but I think both teams are kind of, then. neither of them are a Hammerby. You know, as we've said, the Hammerby have, have scored 20 more goals than both of them combined, uh, sorry, than both of them to get, um, you know, both teams, uh, more than 20 goals. So, uh, and just one thing to know about Hammerby, they've actually broken the Allsvenskan record uh, for goals scored in a season, in a 30-game season, which is a Kalmar's record from 2008 um, when they won the title. And that is a since the Osvenskan went to uh, a, a thirty, to, you know, sixteen team league. Um, that is the record: seventy-one goals they've scored. So, you know, Hammerby may not win the league, but hats off to them in terms of their ability to f their firepower because they've really been the entertainers this season. Malmo and AIK aren't as entertaining. I think one thing that's quite interesting to note as well with um, the teams is they're, they're both very uh, kind of experienced teams. Um, there's been some discussions in the past uh, kind of two weeks or so about AIK and how maybe they're coming to the end of a, end of their cycle. You know, they're one of the oldest teams in Osvenskan, actually, um, in terms of average age. And so, you know, both teams are, rely on that kind of experience. And I think, um, yeah, so in terms of goal, I have nothing. Neither of them are kind of a, a you know, magic in a hat type team, in my opinion, but they're both very solid and very good sides. Yeah, so some obviously big matches on Monday evening there, which will go a long way to towards determining the winner of the Arsvensk. And uh, I'm not going to ask you who your prediction is to win the title um, this week. It's just uh, can't really do that in the middle of the round, can you? But uh, I'm sure towards the end of the week, you may get a few questions uh, lodged your way about um, the final round prediction, depending on how these uh, Monday evening uh, results go. So... Um, Onto the bottom of the table, and uh, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, but uh, every team still has a chance of surviving. Um, in the Osvenskan, it just looked to me like certainly AFC, Falkenberg, Sundsvall at one point, they all looked dead and buried, didn't they? But 
recent results have um, certainly given everyone a live chance. Uh, I mean, key ones this weekend. I mean, last weekend, uh, Ostersund obviously got a victory, which uh, I mean, they're pretty much safe, aren't they? Uh, unless something freakish happened with goal difference. Uh, and Falkenberg, an absolutely uh, momentous uh, win for them uh, away at Kalmar. Uh, Sundsvall had been having a bit of a renaissance, but um, I do believe they blew a three-goal lead recently and then also lost to Helsingborg. So it's tied to the bottom. John, I mean, how do you see things overall, general? Well, yes, I think we're going to delve into this a little bit deeper today. I think this podcast, we will discuss that relegation battle in a bit more detail. Uh, there's been a very, very big game at the bottom of the league. Uh, Kalmar against Falkenberg. Falkenberg coming away with a, a massive 3-2 win uh, in a kind of topsy-turvy game, really. And I think it's worth dwelling on this because with one game to go, it really is a, a very um, tight race. There's four teams who could go down really realistically. Um, there's a relegation playoff, of course. Two go, The bottom two are relegated automatically. Um, third bottom goes into a relegation playoff against one of the uh, Super Etens uh, runners-up. So... One team can survive with one game left, but the other three will have to, you know, fight fight another day. Um, and Sirius were the ones who survived uh, with their most recent, um, well, they got a creditable draw, I guess you could say it was, against uh, AFC Eskil Stuna. And that just does enough to keep them up. Ostersunds, as we say, I mentioned, I think a few weeks ago, 25 points should be enough, and it's proved to be the case. Um, Ostersunds, really their game against Sirius was when they, uh, stayed up in this league really they they beat Sirius 2-0 with um, a credit to uh, honourable mention for Blair Turgut the, the Englishman who came from non-league he uh, got two assists in that game and helped um, relieve the pressure on Ian Birchenau and the, the club in general they can confirm their all Svenskan status pretty much um, they could still get sucked into it but on goal difference but they have a significantly better goal difference than Falkenberg in uh, 14th so you know you'd expect, there'd have to be some mad swing for that to change uh, so, yeah, the last four teams we got there are Kalmar in 13th, 23 points. Falkenberg, 14th, 22 points. Gifsundsvall, 15th, 20 points. And AFC Eskilstuna with 20 points as well in bottom of the table, 16th. Now, the interesting thing with AFC Eskilstuna is that we all thought they were toast, um, but they pulled out a 1-0 win against Gifsundsvall in the last week's game. And their recent run has picked up quite a lot. They've got five points in the last nine. Um, a draw at Kalmar, a draw with Sirius in the most recent game, and a win against Gisunsa. So from really us saying that they are toast, they're, they're actually back into the race now. Uh, and that has just made it a very, very, very tight race at the bottom of the league with uh, four teams that we're going to kind of talk about now, aren't we? Yeah, we certainly are. Just before we move on, um, Ostersund's uh, just... Considering the off-the-field issues that they've had this year, how much credit do you think Ian Birchall and the staff there and the players deserve to have pulled that out of the bag with so much pressure on them, pressure on them end of the season? Well, yeah, you ask me about Ian Birchall almost every week and it's kind of uh, difficult to comment on him at times because because obviously we've had him on the podcast and he's, he's a friend of the show. Um, I think he's done, you know, now that their status is more or less confirmed, I think he's done a decent job. I think they weren't expected to maybe go down at the start of the season. So from that point of view, you know, it's not been the greatest of seasons for them with just five wins. But at the same time, I think you have to realise the context there. Um, it's a completely new team, as we've mentioned in past weeks. Um, you know, 
the financial problems they have in the background with the chairman. There's a lot of behind the scenes issues I think where we you know we don't maybe know about. And in terms of like as I said before, the squad in general has lost a lot of good players, really good players. So there was always going to be a dip at some stage. I thought even last season they might have a dip um, in terms of their form and results um, when Graham Potter left. But they managed to steady the ship there. But yeah, I think you know, 12 this season is not bad. If they can get the financial issues sorted next for next season, perhaps they can rebuild and kind of go again. You know, and um, they're becoming a bit of an established or Svenska club now in the last sort of three, four, five years maybe. Um, so they'll be very happy to be secured for 2020. Uh, and I think Ian Merchant can can really, given the context of the club, probably can look back and be pretty happy with the season as as a whole. I mean, 14 defeats is is obviously a disappointment. But I think if you look at it as the same context, it's, it's um, survival was really the aim ultimately. And they're not out of the woods yet because they could still shut down in terms of their financial problems. But um, on the field anyway, at least they live another day. Yeah, well done to Ian Birchnell and Oshishans for uh, confirming their survival. And um, we're going to talk about some of these other teams uh, more and as a specific match, uh, Kalmar Falkenberg in detail very soon. But just want to switch on to Sundsvall, Gif Sundsvall, who um, they had a great run a few weeks ago, a couple of victories, and then they were 3-0 up at home to Norshipping and, and blew that, uh, ended up drawing 4 all. Since then, it's gone completely pear-shaped. Two defeats in a row. AFC, uh, they lost to them away from home. I think they've succumbed to late goals. They're now in a position where they've got to, they have to beat AIK away on the last day of the season. Even that might not be enough for them. Um, Other results would have to go their way just to get into the relegation playoff. Um, Is that the end of Sunsvall, do you think, John? Well, I think we should have a wider discussion about them in context. I think I'd like to talk about. I'd like to talk about the games first, the um, Falkenberg-Kalmar games first. I think we can talk about the, the, the context of the, the bottom four and their permutations. I mean, we can, we can discuss kind of what, what needs to happen in the last games to come. Um, but I think it's relevant to talk about maybe Gifsonsfeld, maybe after we've talked about Falkenberg and Kalmar and how, they, how they've actually got to this situation. Because Gif, as you've mentioned there, they, they did look like they were... Um, at one point they look safe and then one point they look like they're down. You know, they were bottom of the league at one point. They've, they've really had an up and down season, to be honest. They gave themselves a bit of a lifeline about a month or so ago with a win at Kalmar and then a, a win against Sirius back to back. Drawing with North Shopping as well, as you mentioned there, four all. But the last two games have all fallen apart for them. And um, this past weekend, especially, was really, really. A, a crushing blow for them. They, the game against Helsingborg, it looked like it was going to be a, a, a draw, which, you know, at this stage of the season, points count. Um, ten minutes to go, it was nil-nil. Then um, Helsingborg took the lead through Tobias um, in the 82nd minute. Kiss and Sal came back into it one all three minutes later, and he thought to yourself, well, they've done enough now. That could be it. But then a minute later, they went back up the other end and TBS scored again. And that is really a massive, massive loss when you look at it in context because now Gifson's Val look like they could well be down. Um, but let's talk about Kalmar and Falkenberg before we move on to the permutations for the last game. Uh, and this is really the game that's shaken up <laughs> the bottom of the league because if you recall a few weeks ago, Steve, we talked about these two teams and we talked about the, the relegation battle and we kind of said that we kind of looked at it and thought Falkenberg and 
AFC were down and that was pretty much it, wasn't it? And it was maybe who's going to get that relegation playoff. Um, but you know. this past weekend, it was like, a, you know, shaking up a bottle of LucasAid uh, and uh, and opening the, you know, opening opening it up because everything's exploded. Um, Falkenberg, as they say, have, have won. Uh, Gibson's fellow who has lost. You know, AFC's form has picked up. Kalmar seemed to be falling apart. Uh, and it's all just gone... It's all just gone haywire in the bottom of the table. Um, the past weekend, the game, Kalmar Falkenberg. I just wanted to talk about that because it was a really exciting three-two uh, win for Falkenberg. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It's certainly a shaking things up. It's been you mentioned a Lucasade bottle there. I think it was more like the uh, you know, Coca-Cola with Mentos um, sort of uh, thing. Absolute. Um, I mean, look, me and you talked about Kalmar Kalmar off air. Um, chatted about them maybe two, three weeks ago, and you were saying to me, "Are they in trouble? Are they in trouble?" And I, I think I bounced back at you. Just look at their fixtures; they're going to be absolutely fine. And you know, I was I wasn't watching the game yesterday, but I, I was keeping my eye on the score and the stats. And it's just the sort of fix you expect Kalmar to their experienced team in this relegation battle to just close out the, the final win they need to confirm survival or even a draw. Um, but it's it's gone absolutely a crazy match three two win for Falkenberg, and we're gonna, we're gonna you're gonna talk about this match in detail a real good tactical analysis so so heading into the contest uh, Falkenberg's on nineteen points Kalmar twenty three um, uh, really Falkenberg not in good form first half was nil nil and then obviously all the goals happened uh, after the break but. How did they manage to get this result overall, John? Because for large portions of the game, it's felt like certainly they're on the back foot statistically. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, you know, you mentioned there statistically and, and you mentioned the context of the match. As you say, it was nil-nil at half-time. Um, and, and we've talked about Kalmar in the past and, you know, sometimes I know we've got some... We did a poll about a month, two or three months ago on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. Um, which you can give us a follow, and we asked who you, what team do you support in in the, in the league, and Kalmar were surprisingly one of the better supported teams that you know from from the, our followers. Um, they have a lot of fans. I mean, we know there's some listeners who tune in and uh, and are big supporters of the team, and you know, you often say it, Steve. You know, they're the kind of team that just finishes eleventh every season. And there's not much to talk about. You know, kind of they tune in, they clock. It's almost like a factory worker. You clock in, you clock out. You go home, and nothing really, you know, particularly notable happens during your day, and that that seems to be Kalmar year in year out for the last, you know, four or five seasons. To be honest, um, they have got an illustrious history. They've they've won the title, of course, um, but yeah, just seems to have kind of ticked along really. And you said it even last week, I think that they're going to finish eleventh, and that'll be the end of it. But no, that is not the case at the moment, Steve. And um, they, they really are kind of looking to start. They really have started to crumble. I think one of the things that is interesting to note about them, they've only won four games all season in 29. And, you know, as we've mentioned with Kalmar, they, they tend to drift along and, you know, they get they, they do what they need to do, don't they, really? They, mm. They're never spectacular, but they, they kind of get the job done. They always have a mid-season kind of um, rick where they, they don't win any games. It happened again in July. They didn't win a single game in July with five straight defeats. Um you know, but you always think that you know they look like they had a good start to this season. They, they always have a bit of a run where they're unbeaten. You know, the first um, in the first few months of the season, they went unbeaten for six games, seven games. 
Um, so, you know, they, they just, but they never really quite do much. You know, they, they haven't won a back-to-back game. You know, they haven't won back-to-back games at all this season at all. Um, they've only won sort of twice since May. Uh, but then weirdly enough, they won away at AF, AIK Stockholm. So, um, you know, their big wins are kind of, they, they tend to pull out one big result a season. And that, that was that. And they, they won at Ostersons as well in September. But since then, they haven't won a single uh, game. This game, you really did think they would, they would you know, get the job done. But uh, it's not happening. With four defeats in five, they are really, really, I think, in trouble. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned they don't win many games. What was your sense um, of their approach to this fixture? Do you, do you, did you feel that they were just looking for a draw? Or were they actually looking to try and take the ball by the horns and get the win? Uh, and, you know, finish off Fortenberg good and proper and, and, and get themselves safe? Or were they a bit too negative? Or were they caught in two minds? What do you think? Well, I think the first thing to know with this game is that the, the first half really was just an awful half of football. I think you could find, you know, semi-professional games with as much quality. One thing that I get sometimes frustrated about in, uh, in Osvenskan and in general in football is the amount of stoppages in play. I think there's an argument for a kind of a, a stop clock in football. Um, oh. We talk a lot about VAR. We talk, you know, there's a lot of debates about that this season in, in England and around Europe. But I think a bigger issue in football maybe is just the amount of stoppage time. The stoppage, you know, just the amount of stoppages. And this was when a similar game. You could fast forward through minutes of this match in the first half and not be bothered, you know, um, taking ages for corners, you know, a foul, and then it's like two, three minutes you actually end up with about 25 minutes of, of football in a 45-minute half. And um, that was the case in this match. You didn't get the sense that this was a, a relegation battle where to, both teams needed to win, really. It was very, very drab first half. But it kicked into life second half. And, it, you know, it was un, the game was almost unrecognisable. Um, Romarino, he scored uh, two goals in this match. And his first goal was an absolute beauty. And the second goal was pretty damn good as well, to be honest. Um both teams kind of lined up in a in a, in a three four three formation, maybe three you know three five two five three two, however however you want to call it. Um, but you know three centre halves in general. Uh, and, and they they tried to you know Falkenberg's approach was to kind of have a low block and and just see out the game. Kalmar would maybe the ones expected as the home side to take the game to to the visitors. They didn't really make much of it in the first half. Uh, you know, Rasmus Elm is also obviously a big player for them, and their mid. A lot of Camas players through their midfield. You know, Romarino in there, and uh, Rasmus Elm. You know, the, the kind of playmakers. Uh, they have a, a good young talent called Niels Froling, who's uh, their top scorer this season, uh, the 19-year-old, and he had a few, you know, sparks here and there for Kalmar. Um, they aged the possession with 59%, but they didn't really do. You know, every time they scored a goal, I mean, they got the opener, as I say, and and uh, Falkenberg came back through Peter and Seema. Um, and every time Kalmar really did anything, they obviously went, they went, uh, and they conceded and then came back, but never really looked convincing. And then just really, really poor defending in, in the last um, sort of minutes of the game to concede a third goal. And um, Falkenberg's fans went crazy when they got that. It was a late, late sort of winner in the 85th minute. And it really opens up the uh, the relegation battle. I mean, this match was 1-0 for quite a long period of time, um, from 48 minutes till 75 minutes. Just one substitution by Falkenberg in that period. Um, did you sense that they... Did you see the equaliser coming? And 
Was there anything that they particularly did to change things to get back into the game? Well, I think it was a bit of a, you know, I wouldn't say it was a particularly high quality game in terms of tactical battles and, and that kind of thing. I mean, Magnus Persson is a, is a manager that we, we've had discussions with, maybe potentially as a guest on the show at some point. I'd like to get him on the former Malmo manager in charge of uh, in charge of Kalmar. Um, Falkenberg, as we know, uh, conceded 62 goals this season, the worst record by some distance in, in you know, in, in Osvenska. They've been really poor. Um, they've been really poor at the back. But no, it was more kind of, I wouldn't say lucky goals, but kind of, you know, Peter and Seema's goal was okay, but it wasn't spectacular. The, the, the best two goals of the game were um, from Romarinho, from Kalmar. You know, two absolute beauties, really. Uh, but Falkenberg just kind of hung in there. They didn't They didn't give up in this match. And I think the character of the team was was something that was quite noteworthy. Um, they didn't, you know, ever give up. They didn't really look like they were going to throw, that, throw in the towel. Their fans kind of, although there weren't many of them, their fans gave them a good backing. When you bear in mind they they'd lost their past two games with a combined total of nine goals to one, um, and that's against Elfsborg for cry out loud, who are not even that good, um, and AIK obviously, you know, your head can go go down really, can't you? And you almost think with two games left they might throw in the towel and 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 you know, kind of heads go down and and feel sorry for themselves and, and give it all away. But you know, it was a, a credit to um, Hans Eklund's team. They didn't. They didn't do that, and they, they, um, you know, they kept going in this game, and and, and then ended up getting the winner. Um, they had a couple of decent performances. Anton Veda, the 29-year-old, uh, was pretty good in midfield and got himself a goal. Also, Matisson, the Dane, who who popped up with the winner, he he had a, a, a pretty good game, in fact. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really. I wouldn't say, Steve, that it was kind of tactical battle or tactical changes that really shaped the game. I just think there were moments in the match that they took advantage of and, and quite poor defending from, from Kalmar, to be honest. Um, especially for the third goal, it was really, really bad defending with five minutes to go. Uh, and they kind of stunned the home team, really. Is that, I mean, it comes down to nerves, does that, or, or what? Because with they knew with five minutes to go, with that draw, that they... They would definitely be finishing ahead of uh, Falkenberg and Sundsvall. Um, basically, if a, a draw at that point would have avoided automatic relegation, definitely. Um, and I mean, how did you sense the last? Uh, I mean, the winner scored in the what the 90th minute. Um, did you sense they were nervous? With a crowd on edge, it, surely it's a sort of game you just expect Kalmar to see it out, don't you? Or it just feels like they've really shot themselves in the foot there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a terrible result for Kalmar. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they have, um, funnily enough, they've got one more game and that's against Sirius. Uh, and they lost 2-0 at home to Sirius uh, already. So they've now got to go away to Sirius and, and, and get some kind of result. And, um, yeah, the funny thing is, I mean, a draw will be enough if Falkenberg don't win against AFC. And the Falkenberg's last game, I mean, we'll come on to the, you know, I'll talk about the, the final games in a minute. But, um Kalmar will need a minimum of draw, really, to, to survive. Uh, and, yeah, as you, as you say, it's just poor concentration. You know, we've said it about Falkenberg all season. Their expected goals is that are actually not bad. You know, they're, they're, they're comfortably kind of mid, mid to lower mid-table for expected goals. Um, you know, they're not in the bottom three. Gibson's for AFC, Eskastuna and Ostersons are the worst teams in the league in terms of expected goals. Uh, and Falkenberg, you've always thought, will it, will it even out for them? Will it even out for them? And it, and it kind of hasn't. 
but um, they got their goals this time. You know, I think they got John Chibuki, who's quite quite decent. Peter and Seema has a bit of a goal threat. Um, I don't think they've quite got the blend really up front this season properly to to to, to create goals, but they were slightly more pro, you know potent in this game. Looked a bit more of a threat in wide areas. Um, but yeah, I mean, even in terms of expected goals against, you know, these two teams aren't aren't the worst teams in the league. Um, again, they're serious gifts and Southern AFC Eskistina, so all metrics point towards gifts and Southern AFC going down. Uh, and Ostersons are below Kalmar and Falkenberg in the league for expected goals against. So both these teams, you know, in terms of metrics, look, they, they should just about survive. But really, that one goal that's just separated the two is a massive, massive um, blow for Kalmar and equally a massive lifeline for for, yeah. give, uh, for Falkenberg because they would have pretty much been down if they'd lost this game. Yeah, I mean, incredibly, Kalmar could still go down automatically if, if Gifsonsvall beat ARK and Falkenberg beat uh, uh, AFC. Kalmar are down, <laughs> absolutely down. But um, So they've got to get something in that last game, and only a victory would uh, guarantee them straight survival uh, as it happens. I mean, the last game of the season is uh, Falkenberg against uh, AFC Eskilsun. I mean, many people will look at this fixture as a winner-takes-it-all, um, potentially for the uh, third-place relegation playoff. I mean, if, if we do give Kalmar a victory, it's serious, which is no given. But, um, you know, Falkenberg against AFC, winner-takes-it-all sort of thing. I mean, AFC could still get out of this season. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Um I mean, how do you see that match going? Well, the funny thing is that um, you talk about Kalmar Sirius just quickly. And how about this, Steve, for an incredible um, twist of fate? Who is the manager of IK Sirius? None other than the biggest legend probably in Kalmar's history, Henrik Riedström. Now, there's a big backstory here because he last season had his contract effectively terminated by Kalmar. Uh, he's a club legend. They absolutely adore him. Uh, he's played 802 games for the team. For the he's, he's been there for 25 years, Steve. 25 years at one club. Uh, played his entire career there. Went into coaching. Went into the assistant manager. Went for the youth teams. Was the um, manager. And his 25-year period came to an end in you know the beginning of this season. And he is the man who could send them down with a win of, uh, with his new team, Kalmar. That's uh, so with his new team, Sirius. So that's going to be a fascinating uh, occasion. He's already said that his heart is with Calmore in that game. So you know that's that's not, probably not <laughs> probably not encouraging for uh, any fans of you know uh, Falkenberg or AFC. But um, he said he's going to try and do his best and get get the job done in a professional way. But yeah, I mean, uh, Mr. Calmore, maybe he's going to come back and help them. But. Um, in terms of, yeah, if we look at the final games, we've got Sirius against Kalmar, as I've just mentioned there, uh, Kalmar away. Falkenberg against AFC Eskilstuna. Um, in the earlier game this season, those two drew nil-nil. Um, and as I mentioned, Falkenberg have conceded 62 goals now, with, with AFC picking up a little bit of form. Can they maybe just do enough? Uh, and obviously, as you said there, AIK against Gif Sundsvall. So you really do worry for Gif Sundsvall. Funnily enough, they, they got a one or draw. Uh, at home to ARK, so you know maybe maybe a bit of a lifeline. But you know if you look at it, their top scorer is still Linus Hellenius, who's long gone in the sunny Cyprus. He's nowhere to be seen. Um, when we talk about you know you asked me there about Falkenberg AFC, you know 
one problem for Falkenberg is just the lack of goals. You know, in, in general, John Chibuki is their top scorer with just four goals. And, you know, that's really not good enough. And I wonder if there's a bit of a twist in the tail here with AFC Eskis doing it because they have shown, as they did in getting to the Swedish Cup final, they can pull out a result when needed. You know, they, they beat um, AIK away from home in the, in the Swedish Cup, for example. Um, you know, they pull out some big results. Can they maybe just do enough? Because if they beat Falkenberg, they will finish above them um, and maybe clinch that kind of um, relegation playoff. The the thing with AFC Eskilskuna, they've got, they have to win the game, a draw, and they are definitely down. I mean, for me, that would play into Falkenberg's hands. If I'm the fault, if I'm Falkenberg, I'm just gonna sort of take it quite steady for about an hour potentially. If I get a goal, great. But I know at some point AFC Eskilskuna have got to come at you. Uh, they've got to go looking for the win. Um, and you know, for a team, they, they've been keeping clean sheets recently. It's just a question of getting a goal, isn't it? I suppose for them. But funny things have happened. I mean, there's going to be all these teams going to be looking around where, what's happening at other grounds. You know, I mean, just say Gift Sundsvall are, are in the lead, and that's going to even um, <laughs> it's going to change the dynamics even more. Then Falkenberg will need to win. So um, it's going to be a really intriguing matchup, isn't it? But uh, AFC, have they got that? If they need a goal. Can they really get one? Well, that is the question. And and one thing to point out as well is that they've only won one away game this entire season <clears throat> in the league. Uh, and that was at Ostersunds back in August. So to have to go away and win, you know, all right, they're playing the, the second worst team in the table uh, or third worst team in the league in terms, of Falcon, in terms of Falkenberg, who have been bottom two pretty much the entire season. It's crazy that they've just come, you know, into out of the bottom two now with that win at Kalmar. Um, but, you know, AFC don't have don't have any kind of track record really of winning away from home. Falkenberg, from their point of view, they've got a really really bad defensive record, and you know they have managed to pick up a few wins at home. You know, uh, until this game just now at Kalmar, they hadn't won a single away game. Um, all their wins have been at home against uh, Ostersunds, Giftsundsvall, Elsborg, and Odeblå. So, you know, all of those games were narrow wins as well, kind of one nils, two ones that kind of thing, 1-0 against Ostersons. I think it's going to be one of those games. I mean, you say it often, Steve, you know, in, in those kind of relegation battles, back overs. And I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, it could get a bit wild if there's an early goal, for example. Uh, I can't see it being a 1-0, a if I'm honest. I, th- I think it's going to be one of them where it's, it's, it's unless it's poor finishing, which you can get in Ostersons at times. I think it's going to be one of those where, you know, you score two, we're going to score three type thing and hell for leather to try and clinch that you know, try and escape. And just one thing before we move on uh, from this conversation, don't you think it is quite strange that all these teams down the bottom have won four games, you know, four games all season in 29, you know, five games, five wins for Falkenberg, but yeah, that is really, it's quite poor, isn't it really, when you think about it? A team like Calmar could survive winning four games all season, you know, out of 30. That does say quite a lot, I think. I've been saying this uh, on this podcast for the last couple of years. The standard at the bottom of the Arsvenskan is terrible. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, there's some shocking teams down there. Every, and it happens every season, it seems. Um, the, the amount of points to survive, you don't really need uh, too much. But um, I want to talk a little bit about Arsvenskan fantasy before we leave this section. But uh, give us your predictions for the, uh, the three matches. Or oh, the, the final games of the season? 
I think that's you, you do like putting me on the spot, don't you? I mean, that is that, yeah. you, know, you, you know more than I, you know more than anyone, Steve. The last game of the season, anything can happen. You can get, you know, I remember um, West Brom was a five all against Man United, you know, or was it four all or something? You, you do get just madness on the last day of the season. It is a beautiful thing, I think, really. That's one of the purest things in the game, in my opinion, is that last day, all teams playing at the same time, just pure chaos everywhere, you know, managers on the touchline listening to their radio, you know, fans cheering other goals at other games, you know, like nobody knowing what's going on. Um, I think one thing's for sure, there's going to be some wild scenes somewhere, you know, uh, on the last day, um, whether it's AFC fans, whether it's Falkenberg fans, whether it's, you know, Kalmar fans, there's going to be some really, really sort of heartwarming and, and really nice scenes. And there's also going to be some scenes of just despair, isn't there? Because two of them are going for sure. And one of them is going to be clinging on for the Super Eton battle. If you're going to put me, if I have to put my neck on the line, I'm going to say, I think, I think Kalmar will get a point at Sirius. Um, I think that Henrik Riesdrom factor is just going to be enough. I can, I've just got a picture in my mind of Henrik Riesdrom, you know, arm in arm with the Kalmar fans, sort of like, uh, you know, the Kalmar players punching the air and um, a bit of controversy there, maybe. I think they'll get a point. Uh, that would give them 24 and that would pretty much keep them afloat unless, and I say it again, unless Falkenberg win. Um, so the Falkenberg AFC game is the one I really can't call. I think that is flip a coin. I really do. Um, I, I, I couldn't predict it, honestly. Uh, um, both teams have just, they've, they've not shown much at all all season and somehow they've still got a lifeline. I, I honestly can't call it. Um, I think there'll be a winner. I don't see a draw, but I, I, I can't call it. I think 3 2 to one of them, you know, flip a coin. And then AIK GIF, I just, I think the only lifeline is if Malmo beat AIK. I think GIF go into that game maybe knowing they've got more to play for than AIK. You know, that would be the end of AIK's title. Uh, and as I have said to you, they have the oldest um, average age, the top two oldest average age in, in the league is Malmo and AIK. And there's been a lot of talk about AIK at the moment, and the manager has also said it, Rickard Norling. He feels it's time to maybe regenerate the squad. I think it's kind of the end of an era for this team, potentially. I can see some, I can see a lot of transfers in the summer for this team, uh, in the winter, sorry, for this team. Um, so maybe just if they were to lose that game, it would, it would sort of take their eye off it, and maybe it would be the end of an era, and maybe he rotates, and maybe that just allows Giff a bit of a lifeline. But honestly... If AIK get kind of a draw at Malmo or even a win with one game left going for the title, I, I just couldn't see Gibson's far going there and winning. So a lot will depend, a lot will depend on the Malmo AIK game, in my opinion, on that one. All right, well, let's talk about, very quickly, the Super Eten because there's one match to go. Um, actually, there's, a, well, mostly yeah, one Moses for still some left of this current round. Uh, it's really close, uh, actually, in, the, in, in that league. There's four teams that are still... In the mixer, um, Mialbi uh, are up there. Valbergs they play each other on the last game, actually. Uh, what do you make of it, um, John? Because uh, we don't know who's uh, who's going up, and uh, there's also a match uh, involving uh, top and bottom next week. Young shipping against uh, Bromer Poikina, who uh, our good friend of the podcast, Sean Constable, is of course a coach there now. Uh, so a match that affects both top and bottom of the table. How do you see it going? Yeah, that's the, that's the game for me, really. Um, you know, in terms of the, the title race, I'm not that fast. I mean, Verberg boys are probably the favourites to to um, 
to go up. Mialbi as well have got a game in hand, so they, they've got a big chance. But really, I just wanted to say good luck to Sean Constable. Uh, he's assistant coach there now at, at Bilma Poikina. Um, and he's kind of jumped from one, you know, uh, one tough job to another, really, because Bruma Poikina, don't forget they were in Osvenskan last season. So this is potentially back to back relegations um, for the Stockholm club. Uh, they have a great academy and it's a good little club there. And I hope they, I really do actually hope they, they get out of it. So good luck to Sean in that one. They've got a really tough game though at Yon Shopping, who were going for promotion. I remember them a few seasons ago, Steve. They were in Osvenskan fighting to get back into it. Um, and yeah, Broome and Poikin really have a, t- a tough game there. But um, the other game as well at the bottom is Osters uh, are playing IK Fredge. Both teams are in the bottom there. So um, the best that Broome and Poikin can, af- can do is uh, is getting out of it via the relegation playoff. But they could go down automatically if Osters um, pull out a win and they fail to win. So good luck to Sean, in my opinion, and I hope they stay up, really. Yeah. Very best of luck uh, to Sean Constable there. Um, just before we uh, we move and have a break, I just want to talk about our Svenskan uh, fantasy. Um, we are coming to the obviously towards the end of the round, and uh, for those who are watching on YouTube, I can uh, now show you this uh, current table, the Nordic Football Podcast table, and top of it is uh, BK Hitsingen. Uh, on th- 1,880 points at the moment. Uh, it looks like he's going to win our league. And then we've got poor Don Hilermo. And then Neeps versus Swedes, who he was up there for most of the season, I do believe. Actually, top three. He's uh, a, a, I can find it at the top of the table. I, like, I don't mind seeing that. Yeah, you're liking that, yeah? <laughs> Where am I? Where am I? <laughs> uh, well, we need. Well, we have to go a bit further down. We're actually quite close. That's me. Oh my goodness! 19th, and you are in twenty-second place. So we're three, we're three positions apart. Big, big yeah. point out there, though. <laughs> we're about four hundred points off the top of our table. More than four hundred points off the top of our table. I haven't even. Where's the? How far? How far close to the bottom of the league is that? Well, we have thirty-one people in our in our league. Um, I haven't even played my my three cards yet. I've got one. Sh- I'll be honest. I've been a bit slack with this one um, in the second half of the season, but um, you know, yeah, mid-table finish. I've done a bit of an Elfsborg, haven't I? Hey, look at Swede stats down there as well. That's that's shameful. Mister Swede, Mister Swede stats. It's a bit poor, isn't it? But um, you know, <laughs> I've got to play my. I've got to play my wild card in the last game. Insert name here. That's uh, he must have forgotten about the league. Surely three points for this round. But um, yeah, that's um, that's our Svenskan fantasy. Uh, good luck to everyone in the last round, and uh, uh, you know, but potentially congratulations to uh, Bicor Hissigan there. So, uh, well, we'll have a break, and um, then we'll uh, come talk about Norway. Welcome to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast episode, and we're back to discuss Norway now. Uh, we've had a good conversation about Sweden there, and now let's move on to Norway, who are a little bit behind. Just bear in mind, uh, they still have sort of four or five games remaining of their season, rather than uh, one or two in Sweden. Uh, and Steve, there was a pretty big game uh, this past weekend, wasn't there, involving 
champ, current or well, outgoing champions Rosenborg against um, maybe would-be champions Mulder. Um, that was a big one at the top of the table there, Steve. Um, so let's take it away. What was what was the out outlook for that game? Yeah, Rosenborg won it three goals to one, and uh, came from behind in this fixture. Um, I was surprised. I mean, Bayern run Rosenborg had just been in Lisbon two three days ago in the Europa League. And we know all about the Europa League hangover and it affects teams in every league. And I, I really thought they'd struggled in this game. And they did for the first half hour. Mulder got the, you know, the lead 1-0. Um, and they looked in control. And then for some reason, I just think they got a bit cocky and a bit overconfident. And they they let Rosenwald back in. There was some played a very high defensive line, which was a bit daft. Um, they got a bit ahead of themselves, actually, in Rosenborg. A very good end to the first half. Scored two goals. Alexander Sutherland then got sent off for, for Rosenborg. So they had to play the whole second half with 10 men. But they defended quite well. Um, Mulder were knocking on the door, but um, defended quite well. And then Rosenborg got a goal on the break. And that is Mulder's first defeat in about think, 13 games, something like that anyway. Um, it ends a very good run for Mulder. And uh, although their lead at the moment is six points, uh, that could be cut to three if Buda Glimp beat uh, Bran on Monday night, so this could be the last chance of a of a of a title title uh, race in, in Norway again. Yeah, and just looking at that, um, you know, in terms of Rosenborg, they've picked up form of late, haven't they? I mean, they haven't been spectacular, but they've they kind of moved up into the top four. Um, are they still under pressure? You know, the manager. I know at the beginning of the season, you had a lot to say about their manager. Obviously, they've they've lost Nicholas Bentner. Um, just Give us a minute or two on Rosenborg and their situation. You know, what, how, what's the outlook there? What's the temperature like there? I feel that was a big win for, for Eric Hornerland because that's the first time he's beaten a, a really big side in 2019. He drew twice against Ard. He got hammered at Mulder and they got beat by Buda Glimt on the first game of the, day of the season. So I feel it was a bit of a statement win for him. It might be even a victory that keeps him in a job at the end of the season because, I mean, they've got a they really need to try and finish third and get into a European place. Um, so it gets them back in the hunt for that one. I don't think he will be retained if, uh, if they finish outside of the top three. So a big win for him. And, um, you know, they, they've generally, after a really bad start, they have been much improved. Uh, you know, one, one defeat in, in about 13, 14 games for them, which came in the previous round at Hogerson. Um, and, you know, they had a good European run. They struggled in, in Europe itself. They probably won't get a point in their group. But, uh, yeah, uh, look, if Hornland can die them to third place, and I was talking to a friend of mine off air, actually, um, just earlier this evening, and they keep Hornland in there. I mean, I see it being a straight fight between Mulder, Rosenborg next season. Uh, and I don't think there'll be a lot in it. So, um, yeah, it feels like a statement win for, for Rosenborg. Important they got the, the three points here. You know, a real good mental boost for them, long term as well. Great stuff, and one thing to note there with uh, Rosenborg, that's um, a good win for them, and they've only lost one of their last fourteen games in the in the league. So it looks like maybe they're slightly back to you know back to back to the normality really compared to their early season form where they didn't win in the first five. Uh, Steve, let's move on because I think you've got a bit of a, a special feature for us this week, haven't you? And I'm quite excited to hear about this. Yeah, well, um, we I'm going to call it uh, Tactical Corner or, or something along those lines. This is the Nordic Football Podcast Analysis Studio. 
um, and uh, we have had a uh, collaboration with uh, Y Scout in 2019 and uh, you may have read a number of the blogs that we produced there and we mentioned a few things on the podcast but this is really going to be using Y Scout stats uh, in detail and uh, if if you are the best for the next sort of 10 15 minutes probably the best platform to to, to view um would be on the youtube um uh, actually uh, so uh because i'm going to be doing some screen sharing and things like that uh, which would help uh, along but uh, it should hopefully go quite smoothly uh, anyway but uh, i mean it's the tactical analysis is regarding buda glimt uh, and specifically a match last week which was a very intriguing one buda glimt nil Mjerndal and nil uh, quite a surprising outcome uh, really and um uh, it's, uh, I'm using this as positives for both teams, really, but probably especially Mjerndalen. But I'm going to start by um, getting the, uh, the, the the screen sharing on now. And uh, possession is a very interesting... Well, I mean, what's your personal opinion of possession in football, John? I mean, some people say it's a bit overrated. Other people say it's not overrated. I mean, if you're a manager, would you... Would you be a hungry for possession or not? That's a good question. I mean, from a personal point of view, I, I, I'm not a possession zealot. I think it is used sometimes a little bit falsely. You know, often you, people talk about possession, but I think possession is a controlled thing. You either, you, 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 I think Jose Mourinho said it once, and I thought it was a spot-on analysis. You, you can control the game without possession. So, you know, the, the interpretation of possession is controlling the match. But I actually think that that is counterintuitive. I think you can actually control a game without off the ball. Um, and I've seen games where teams dominate through a lack of possession. So, um, yeah, that's my personal view on it. But obviously you do have possession teams like Barcelona who, who in their peak were great to watch. But sometimes I get frustrated with just pointless possession where, you, you know, you get backwards passes and things like that. So, yeah, it can be a very misleading statistic, can't it? Yeah, I mean, here we are, um, for those looking at the screen, this is the uh, ball possession average statistics in the elitist area in this season. Again, all the data is from Scout uh, here. And Buda Glimt top the list, 56.3% of possession they average. Um, and I mean, just looking at this pure table, a lot of people would think, oh, they're doing really well this season. This must be one of the main reasons why they're doing so well, because they top the possession charts. But actually... Um, it's, it's kind of very skewed a bit uh, when I've looked at this in detail. It's um, basically, this is what I've done. I've collected a lot of data from uh, Scout, And if you look at the matches here, the possession stats are here. When Buda Glimp have more than 57% possession, they have problems. They've only won three games in that in in that period uh, and yet if you go below that if they have 54 percent possession or less they've won 10 out of 11 games so basically they want the ball but not too much of it i mean this is some of these stats are quite staggering they had 73 percent possession against uh, hugerson up there uh, but they didn't win the game um so if you're just looking at that it's fairly obvious to me how you should set up against them let them have a lot of the ball. But the thing is, I actually think too many sides have underestimated Buda Glimp this season. And that happened 
early early in the season, and I can understand it a bit more because at that a lot of people predicted him to be relegated. I can understand it, but I feel as the season has progressed, they've not been given enough respect. Teams have been still trying to play them off the park, even in front, even actually in Buda itself, um, which is wrong. And um, there's a few examples of that where Trumsa got hammered 4 0 there a few weeks ago. Volorenga, I mean, Ronnie Dealer, Dealer absolutely um, got it handed to him um, in that fixture. And it's naivety. I'm not calling it naivety, it's a bit cocky actually, that sides um, are not giving Buda Glimt enough respect. But going back to this game, Bjorn Dahlen, um, they had they went there. I mean, Buda Glimt averaged nearly three goals a game at home. They've been brilliant at home. Only Bran have managed to uh, pick anything up there in terms of a victory. And on that occasion, they, they were quite happy to let Buda Glimt have the ball, uh, nearly 60% possession. So, look, it's no real surprise that Mjern Darlin's game plan going into that Monday night fixture was, I mean, it's, it's obvious. They're going to let them have the ball. And, and it also makes sense from a Mjern Darlin point of view because looking at their statistics here, they are much more effective um, with less possession. They've only lost two out of 11 games when they have 42% possession or less, which I think is quite impressive for a side like Mjern Darlin. You know, um, they the average goals conceded per game when they have lower possession, just 0.81. When they have more of the ball, it's, you know, they concede an awful lot more goals. And, um, you know, Mian Darlin are not the most talented squad in the world. They're, um, they're limited. And they've got a manager who knows their strengths and their weaknesses. And um, I'm just going to point you to one particular game, which I think really opened up his eyes. And it was on the 8th, uh, 25th of August, and they lost it 4-0 away at Christiansen. And it's actually the game where they had most possession in all season, nearly 60%. Now, what happened there is Mjöndal, I think, had only lost like one out of eight games heading into that contest. It got to a stage where I think they themselves were thinking, oh, we can we can go to Christiansen and outplay them. We can go there and get a result. And I think they got a bit overconfident. And I mean, I'm going to show you some video clips here now of this game. And um, they got absolutely tore apart on the on the counter-attack as you can see here some of these i mean this is not a mjern type performance john they're uh you know torn apart on the counter-attack here twice by uh, christiansen and i think this game lodged in the manager vegar hansen's brain that this is not going to happen to us again and uh, especially going into you know a fixture like Buda Glimp, he was quite happy to go there and give them full respect, as they should have done. And, uh, it's you know, it's clear what the tactical game plan was. Go there with some possession. Um, sorry, let Buda Glimp have the possession. And it's, I mean, to me, that's fairly obvious. Would, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, just a question on that. Was the aim then, therefore, you know, were they getting suckered because they have so much of the ball mm. that when it breaks down, they're actually completely out of shape? And defensively, they're yeah. all over the place. Is that really the issue? In that in that particular match, yeah, it was. It was uh, it was a big problem for them, and uh, but it was almost uncharacteristic. I think they got suckered into into a position where um, you know they got ahead of themselves. They thought they could outplay a Christian Sun side at that point. They were not in great form, and it was a like a realization, I think, for um, for Vegard Hansen. 
that um, we've got to be smart here. Um, there's no point doing like what a Norwich City would be doing in, in the Premier League because they just simply haven't got the weapons. And, and since then, uh, you really tightened things up. They lost uh, that game there to Rosenborg at home 2-1 with a really low possession. But they were competitive in the fixture. Um, they have picked up results. I say when they when they let the opposition famous game here at Brand, their expected goal goals in the game was absolutely zero. They didn't even have a, a single sniff of goal, but they got a nil nil result out of it. So this is what they um, are going to be doing, and they got a nil nil draw at Budaglint, and the reason they got it was for three things. A, they had a bit of luck certainly in the first 20 minutes. B, they had a really good tactical game plan. Three, they executed it really well. And I'm talking about the bit of uh, look that they had. And this is this is now the look. These are some early chances that Buda Glimp had in the game. Um, but Boniface here off the post early on. This is like fifth minute. Not an easy chance, but you know if that goes in, it's a different ball game. And then... Nearly half of Budiglimp's expected goals in this game came from this very move. This move here is had an expected goal of one. Um, sorry, not this one. That was uh, another. That was an expected goal of 0.2. I mean, I would have had it more than that. But then uh, this move here had uh, this probably really should have resulted in a goal for Boniface. So they're on the on the rack early on. They're on the rack early on. But they had a bit of luck there. And they came out of it. This is the formation that Mjöndalen had in the game. Average position formation. It's a 4-2-3-1. You really got to notice how quite deep the average position of the defence is and how close the defensive midfielders. is. The number 33 there, that's Dian Adsmundsen. He's nearly on the centre-back, isn't he? Uh, Quint Jansen. I mean, um, that is really close together. There's only three players average position actually uh, ahead of the center circle itself and um it's a tight sort of system there in a four two three one average positions but we've got i've got a few um interesting uh, screenshots now to show you of exactly this is when they're in possession of the ball and here we go yeah uh, when buddha are in possession this is pretty bog standard stuff um, you're not tearing up any trees here with a tactical game plan, a flat, uh, really flat back four, quite um, quite deep, you would say. And then you've got the four connected players that I've put and they are shielding that back four nicely. And they're basically saying to Buda Glimt, will you, um, can you break us down? And, um, you know, this is the sort of thing that keeps happening. There's a lot of this. Um, again, here, uh, flat back four, they're just... Budiglimp have to find different ways to to unlock them. Um, if you give Budiglimp the ball, I don't think they're as effective. Um, they're much better. More on counter-attacks with them in a minute. But um, there's a lot of situations here where, you know, we've, we've got another one there. This develops just five, ten seconds later. They get it out wide. They're saying, cross the ball in. We don't mind you crossing it in because we're well-positioned. If you look at that, Mjöndalen are really well-positioned defensively. And this is the key to the majority of their game plan. It's the key. Um, because if we go back to some of these statistics of Buda Glimt in detail now, and I'm specifically going towards 
the passes and crosses. When they get the ball more, they cross it more. They have an awful lot more what you call lateral passes, which, in my opinion, they're kind of nothing passes, John. Um, and if you can force them into that, particularly if you notice this one defeat they had when they had less possession, the 6-0 drubbing at Valarenga, the lateral passes were quite a lot in that game. They were struggling in that department. Uh, but yeah, let, get them crossing the ball because I don't think Brody Gunt are that effective at crossing the ball. Um, a lot of their big chances and goals come from interceptions, clearances, smart passes um, into the final third quickly on counter-attacks. So me and Dan have done their homework pretty well. Um, you know, what's, some the way, teams, what's the way to beat this team then, Steve? Because I'm, I noticed one thing there. Uh, there seems to be a lot more shots that Brunelli have when they have less possession as well. What's the way to beat yeah. this team? I mean, yeah. they're closing the gap of Mulder, but mm. you know, can they be beaten? Or well, they had to be, even if you give them the ball. They've only been beaten three times here, like you say. Their their one shocking performance was at Volarenga. That was just an off day. But yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of draws here, which are not bad results in some respects. Um, you know, how do you actually beat them? I don't think Mjöndalen weren't going there looking to, to, to win the match. They were looking going there for a nil-nil. or And I think if they'd fallen behind, they would have just um, kept it pretty close because they learned the lesson. I, another video clip here. And this is Buda Glint against Tromsø. Um, and this was the very second minute of the game. Tromsø, what are they doing? I mean, absolutely ridiculous. They think they can just go there, have a high line like that, in the second minute of the game away against Buda Glimp. It's absolute madness. I don't know what Simo Valakari was thinking. And too many teams fall into this trap against Buda Glimp for my liking. Um, Counter-attacking situations. Uh, Volarenga, uh, absolutely one of the big culprits. And here's an example of it. All right, Buda Glimp are ahead in this game. 31 minutes on the clock. And a typical Buda Glimp counter-attack. But look how poorly Volarenga a position they've got two central defenders there who they're quite high on on a line anyway but they're also too far apart you've got runners uh very fast runners of buddha glimp going through they're going to be in trouble and they they do they get in trouble uh in in this game uh they, they're very lucky to uh that didn't result in a goal that counter-attack but they don't learn their lesson volleringa here's another problem all right, the defenders are much better positioned this time in terms of their line, but they're far too high up the field. They're just asking for trouble. Buda Glimps have got very fast runners and just their general position on the field, the defensive line was too high. And um, we've seen lots and lots of teams do this. It gets the 33rd minute of the game. They're only 1-0 down. If this is the last minute, fair enough or whatever, last 20 minutes of the game. But too many teams do this. This is Viking, similar situation, 1-0 down. It's even worse. Uh, high line, defenders are positioned terribly. I mean, they're lucky that they did not concede a goal from this, John. And I think this is a naive approach. It's teams going there, still probably not giving Buda Glimp the respect they deserve. You wouldn't do that if you were away against Mulder, would you? You wouldn't do that if you were away against Rosenborg. And I think it's a real underestimation of Buda Glimp's strengths this season, but Mjørndalen were not going to fall into this trap. Here is a situation for them. On they've been Virgil Hansen knows that 
they are going to get caught out on the counter-attack at some point in the game. It's unavoidable. They can restrict it as much as they want, but they're going to get caught out. And here is an example. What they're going to do about it? Well, they've got defenders who are deep. As you can see there, they're much deeper. Three in a row, fairly well positioned, but they're much deeper. Now, Brunigan can still do things from this counter-attack, but and then actually the wrong decision is made uh, from Boniface there. But look, this is just a few seconds later. A lovely line that's playing offside on the uh, on uh, Jens Peter Horga on the left, and you've got four runners coming back very quickly. And this is typical Mjendan. They were not caught out on the counter-attack in this game, John. Do you think this means that Mjendan could stay up? Because uh, they're in the bottom two at the moment. Only one point in it, but they're, they're running out of games. Uh, you, you've talked quite encouragingly there about them. Could they stay up? Do you know, I mean, uh, they've also drawn nil-nil today at home against uh, Sarsborg. And I've not actually looked at the stats of that game, but that's quite an encouraging result for them. Um, yeah, they could, because they're using the heads. Um, you know, it's uh, th that's what I really like about Mjöndalen at the moment. And here's, here's another example here, and this is the second half. And this time, they're, they're nearly caught out. They're nearly really caught out here. But it's against them, same three, in a great position. And this results in a shot over the bar, um, but they, they limited them. I really like what Vegar Hansen's doing there. I, he deserves a lot of credit tactically for how he has um, built this team recently. I said that Christiansen defeat, I think, was a real turning point for him. He made him realise, I've got to play to my strengths here. I'm, it might not be pretty, but I'm quite willing to get in there, dig in and get an ugly result um, if needed. And uh, the main example here is, I'm going to show you, is the defensive line. This was their defensive line against Christiansen. Um, here we go. Average formation line in that game. If you look at that, start of that game, they were average um, at uh, 60, uh, 65 metres in the first what, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, it's... They clearly went there thinking they could win. They're on a high. They think we can outplay them, etc. But for the whole game, their average formation line is is higher than Christiansen. And but they got battered four 0 It didn't do them any good at all. And he's learned his lesson. This is now the average formation line in the booted limp game. As you can see, it's much lower. It's about ten ten meters lower um, in in that regard. And um, that was a big reason. I know it's not rocket science. It's pretty, a lot of teams do this around the world all the time. But you still got to employ these tactics to, um, to actually get a result sometimes. And the final uh, little screenshot I want to show you here is the actually expected goals. Um, again, these are all from uh, Y Scout. Um, and uh, these are the expected goals uh, for Buddha Glimp throughout the whole. 90 minutes as you can see their first 20 they did ride their look like i said earlier on in the um in the piece but if you take that first 20 minutes out the rest of it the whole uh last 70 minutes not a single registration had an expected goal of more than 0.19 which i think that is a pretty good effort from the end down that is the main reason they got a result out of this they restricted the big chances of booted limped um they played to their strengths and, yeah, it's encouraging for them going forward. And from a Buddha Glint point of view, uh, I mean, this is how I think their opponents have got to be – they've got to be very wise against them. You know, you can't treat them lightly anymore. They're up there on merit, and you've got to give them full respect. Otherwise, 
like I said, if you give them um, sort of enough of the ball, but um, a chance to counter-attack really well, then they they will punish you. So I hope that gives a good insight into you know a tactical breakdown of, of both of these two cl- two teams. That really is fantastic analysis there, Steve. Um, yeah, I'm really impressed with your use of, of Scout there as well. It shows you the capabilities of the, of the platform. Um, brilliant stuff. Really brilliant stuff. Do you think, I mean, you love to put me on the spot. I'm going to do it to you now. Do you think Buda Glimp can win the title? No, I don't, I'm afraid. Um, I've got three away games. They're at uh, Bran, they're at uh, Rosenborg, and they're at Molder. But having said that, look at these statistics. The Brand match is going to be interesting because I think Lajan and Nielsen is actually going to be quite canny. He'll have the same ideas that I've come up with here. He's going to let them have the ball and say, right, you come and break us down. We don't mind getting a nil-nil draw and maybe picking up a, a goal from a set piece. But you could imagine someone like Rosenborg, Mulder, trying to outplay them. Um, and they could be very dangerous on that counter-attack in those games. Look, if they can get it to two points going into the last match, which is away at Mulder, Mulder will be shitting a brick won't they? Let's be honest. Um, even if they had like a two-point lead, they know that if they lost the game, they'd lose the title. So that's all. That, that's got to be the target. They've got to find, try and get two points behind them with one game to go. Um, unfortunately, three is not enough because the goal difference is just probably too substantial to break down. I don't think they'll win the title, but you know, if they get a result at Brand on um, on Monday evening, then uh, it's game on again. I think, and uh, yeah, just like you said about Y Scout, there, absolutely fantastic tool. Anyone, um, you know, scouts, analysts, clubs out there, um, you can do so many things with Y Scout, um, with the drawing tool especially. You'd have seen that on the blogs, and it's a great example of, of statistics if you're into that sort of thing, and um, it can really give you an edge uh, in that department. Yeah, really, really brilliant stuff, Steve. Well done, uh, and uh, for those who want to give us a follow um, don't forget we're on youtube as well you can give the page a subscription um you can also follow us on twitter at nordic football steve you might even put that up on the facebook page uh, nordic football podcast on facebook as well and uh, obviously on itunes um, give us a like or a, a subscribe and, and and a rating as well if you like what you see let's move on now we've got a few more minutes left of this show but um Trumzo against ranheim is one of the key games you wanted to discuss wasn't it steve it was, and you know, you mentioned earlier how these relegation battles can really kick off, and, and we saw that on Sunday. With two, uh, this match, both sides went into it really looking to score, win, and and take the ball by the horns on the front foot, and it just so happened that Trumps came out on top. Um, yeah, this was a wild sort of game. It could have ended five four, and you, you wouldn't have been too surprised. But I always said I don't think Trumps would go down under Simo Balakari. I think he'll prove me right. They've got results at home recently, a couple of really important victories. And and Ranheim, I'm not ruling Ranheim out, certainly not after last week when they beat Odd 4-1. Um, but um, Troms had got enough done. And it was really interesting to see the, the difference in approach in this game and Mjöndal and Sarpsborg, which ended 0-0. Both teams in that match were just kind of afraid to lose. You know, They weren't going to give anything away. These two sides thought we can go get the three points. And it would do as the world of good. And yeah, ultimately, long term, I actually prefer the attacking attitude. All right, Ranham have lost this one today, but with that sort of attitude, they're going to win more matches, I think. Um, so, I, yeah, 4 2 result bodes well for both teams. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, 
I mean, you've mentioned that the relegation battle is pretty close. I and mean, Valerenga are 12 games now without a win. I mean, that is, we've talked about them a lot recently. What is going on there, Steve? Do you know what? I think I'm going to have to have a whole podcast dissecting Ronnie Dyler's tactics, aren't I? Um, I think I quite enjoy that. I think it was another sort of um, analysis that you've done there. How how is he still in the job? Because look, even if they survive, I mean, they should do. But surely he can't last the off-season. A change is needed at the club. So they might as well bring in someone now. Um, in the last of those 12 games, I've seen nothing apart from one good performance against Odd. Where they were unlucky, they should have won. But um, look, this is just not good enough. The game at the weekend was uh, Derby, Lillestrøm against Valerenga, and it's probably one of the worst matches I've seen all season. Um, it was dire, just dire. I mean, you mentioned Falkenberg, Kalmar first half. It was probably worse than that. Um, it's just, I, I could. There was hardly a chance in the game. Um, I mean, both teams didn't want to lose. Fair enough. You could certainly understand it from Lillestrøm's point of view, but. Valerenga are inching their way, and I mean inching their way to survival. It just isn't good. How can a team as big as them, with the players they have, go 12 games without a victory in the Elite Serian? You know, I would sack him right now tomorrow morning. Um, it's not It's not because I don't rate him as a manager. I think he's not a bad manager. It's just his time in this cycle at Valerenga is, is, is it's up. He, a change is needed at that club, and a change will happen. Um, so they might as well do it now. Yeah, and you mentioned time is up. Time is nearly up for this show. And uh, before we do end, I wanted to move on to the cup final, semi-finals coming up in Norway. Um, a bit of a break from league action, Steve. What, what have we got in store? Yeah, we've got good matches. We've got uh, Viking against Ranheim. Viking rested literally everyone of importance today, which would not have pleased their fantasy uh, owners. <laughs> Uh, out there um, in, in preparation for this match on Wednesday night against Ranheim. I think Viking should win that game, really. Uh, they'll have enough, I think. Um, and the other semi-final is, uh, I think, Hogerson against Odd, which is going to be a tight contest, which could go either way. I mean, all four teams left in this uh, Norwegian Cup will fancy their chances of winning it. I mean, someone like Ranheim, I mean, if you offered them relegation but a Norwegian Cup win, I think they'd take the, the Cup win all day long. Um, so good luck to all four teams in that. I'm, I'm going to predict a Viking against odd final, um, which would be quite an interesting one, wouldn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, crucial stage of a Norwegian cup. Yeah. I think just, just on that before we, before we wrap it up, uh, it'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? I think for odd, maybe to mm. be in the chance of some silverware. They've had a, a really good season. We, we've talked about them once or twice, but really not in much, much detail. But they're still third in the league and, and, and looking quite good there above uh, Rosenborg. So well done to Odd and uh, let's see how those semis go. But Steve, we are off. That is the end of this week's show. Don't forget, as I've mentioned, um, thanks to our sponsors, Scout, our, our supporters. Um, and if you like what you see, don't forget, you can uh, give us a few. Um, you can give us a subscription on Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, and as I say, you can follow us on social media at Nordic Footpod. I think that is pretty much it for the for the rest of this week. Steve, who is going to win the title in Sweden? Who's going to win the title in Norway? Who's going to get relegated? There's so many things up for grabs. We'll be back for a last show of the season, Sweden-wise, soon. Good luck to everyone and enjoy the week. Goodbye, everyone. Take care.